it's just different it's just different it's it's like in some ways school is better because i feel like it was just like generally more fun like even though it was also technically more work it was like fun was built in almost and now it's like work is like you have to intentionally have fun i don't know work has definitely been kicking my butt and the first two weeks i don't think i left the office before like 7 8 p.m um but it's getting a lot better now i will say like it was weird at first because i felt like they knew and recognized my skills but we're not utilizing them but i think now they're starting to use utilize it um and like getting a little bit more i don't know it's like i don't know how to describe it i'm the new kid you know what i mean like the recent grad the like youngest kid in the room and so like if anybody's stapling papers it's me like if <laughs> anybody's doing kind of that stuff they're like hey can you go grab that from the printer and i'm like that's what i got a master's degree for but like <laughs> And in that same, I'd say in that same energy, like, it's, it's also, it's just because I'm the the new one, but then in, in some other ways, it's like random little moments where I'm like, oh, I actually know a lot about that. And I'll just like talk about it and they'll be like, oh, shoot. Oh, the kid. Yeah. That's what we hired him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. I do miss school a little bit. I will say life is more expensive now because I think it's just like a... Like, yeah, I'm working full time. I have money, right? And then I like go shopping and I look at my account. And I'm like, hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> like, not me being more broke now. But then <laughs> there's also the aspect of me like being at home and like not having rent to worry about. So I'm like, if my account hits zero, what's the worst that'll happen? <laughs> um, but then there's the me like wanting to spoil myself at all things like i'm going to atlanta and bc and weekend concert i bought a ps5 like there's all that so i'm like okay i'm allowed to invest in myself right now let my account be at zero and then build back up no literally your instagram (laughs) stories like season passes to that like the weekend whatever it was at like what was that like disneyland and then like universal Universal Studios. studios and like nice meals i'm like okay like graduated and started bawling out down in SoCal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's true. Mm. Mm. This, no, I'm I'm definitely looking at my finances. Like, okay, Michael, we're gonna have to take life seriously. You only got one paycheck. We can't, be. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Ellie, you're in um, Sweden. How's that been? It's good. I actually just got back to Sweden. I was also, I was in, well, I just learned my little food poisoning in Prague story, which was fun. Um, But I've been, yeah, visiting family, hanging out. I actually had my first, like, hang out with friends, travel around in Europe summer. I feel like I, like, most of my... um, most of the time when I come to Sweden, I'm just visiting family, but my roommate came with me and stayed with my family for like a week and a half, which was really, really sweet. And then I was in Norway visiting our other friends. So it's been a blast, but, um, definitely it's also been a lot (laughs) going on. So I'm excited to, I'm back at my, um, grandma's house now as of today. So perfect timing to schedule this call actually, because this is my first day not doing anything in a long time. Um, oh, she's our number one fan, actually. She was asking me what I, what my call was for. (laughs) She was like, she's like, what's a podcast? Oh, it's about politics. Okay. 
that was that was that was the extent of that but no I gave her the download I was like no Michael's leaving it's a really big deal oh my god so actually you should listen tell her to come on guest star oh my god she'd be so stressed she'd be actually so stressed she's like definitely like eavesdropping right now I bet (laughs) what about you Demi what have you been up to That is a great question. I feel like I am on, I'm like Michael one year later um, because now I've been in this job for like a year. And so like I, but I'm also, I'm changing jobs right now. So like, I feel like that's like part of it. So I'm like moving positions. Like I'm at my same role and everything, but like um, same kind of like amount of responsibility, but like way different sort of like profile as as like in terms of like talking externally and like, I don't know. It's just like a lot. So, um, I think just like that has been probably the biggest shift, but also really exciting. I also did like a little Europe travel, uh, changed my life. And now, um, oh no, it was really fun. It was a really good trip. It was also like a really wild trip. I've like, Jared has like kind of gotten the low down, but like just a ton of terrible things happened, not because of the travel, but like during the travel. Um, so as, as like nice as it was, I got back and I was like, I need a vacation. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, oh wait, no. <laughs> so that's kind of the current situation. Uh, I do head to California tomorrow. Um, yeah. So I'll get there tomorrow morning. I arrive in like LA. I don't know where y'all be, but like so far from LA. Text me. So far from LA right now. <laughs> I'm an hour and a half away. You're not. LA. I know you're not that far. I'm yeah. actually. I'm staying the night in LA tomorrow night. So if you decide to just like skidder down, um, I'll be there. I'll um, <laughs> yeah, come skidder. Um, I did just see the weekend last week, not on the weekend, actually on a Thursday, and it was amazing it was so good i already like sent michael a full voice note so i won't get into it but it was just really really good um and yeah that's like that's kind of like the extent of what's been happening i'll be in california for two weeks definitely like michael like i feel you in terms of like the job thing i feel like i wake up and then like get ready for work and then i go home and i like calm down from work but i and then like just go through that cycle all week and then on saturday i'm like all right well like don't do anything too wild because Sunday, you need to like get ready for work. <laughs> that was like my whole life, but it's actually not that bad. Like work's actually really fun. I just think I, I have to like frame, I just have to like make work fun. Like it's definitely like, you have to integrate it like a lot more. It, it is like, whoa. And like, you have to like, like a totally dealing with like the pressures of like being like, okay, this is my life now. Like I'm not allowed to have like a bazillion extracurriculars. Like this is the extracurricular. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's like the main, I think like the main struggle. Um, but overall good, you know, it's an, it's a nice extracurricular, so I can't complain too much. Um, my boss has candy in her office. So shout out to my boss. Um, and like that really, you know, it's the little things. So <laughs> I will pass it to Mac. Um, this summer, I actually, if I, I was thinking about like how I'm going to phrase it while everyone was talking, but I had a lot of fun because I went on this little um, adventure to look at different national parks in the country. So I went down to Arizona and I saw the canyons up north in the state and it was so beautiful. And then I went up to Washington and saw snow, um, which is like my first time seeing snow in July. 
Um, and then I went to the sand dunes down south, right by San Diego. Um, it's the Imperial Dunes. So I don't know, Michael, if you've been before. It's not the ones by Pismo Beach. It's the ones that that are like very isolated and really close to the border. I know where they are. I've never it, been. It was a lot of fun. It was very beautiful, but it was definitely in the middle of nowhere. The nearest town had a population of two and it was out for the season. So it was, there was nothing nearby, um, but it was really pretty and it was, I had a lot of fun. Um, and then on the side, I wanted to, summer's like the only time where I have enough time to build or find a new hobby. So I've been trying to learn how to play alto sax, um, which has been really fun. Um, cause I, I used to play the flute, so I have a little bit of an idea of how to work it, but I, um, been it's been a lot of fun and it's been like a brain game and i've been trying to so i have a list of songs that i'm trying to learn so i've been trying to learn the theme from how to train your dragon um and so it's been it's been fun should you do it for us it's not that good yet you can just come in (laughs) yeah no that could be our intro music yeah yeah yeah. that's so good we can just actually just put the how to train your dragon <laughs> cover wait like, okay. this is my i just noticed <laughs> no copyright what i felt like was a generational gap i didn't realize how to train your dragon had a theme to me those are books you know what i mean and then they like released a movie like years after the books came out and it was just kind of like wait, okay, those books? The movie. That, that's what i was about to say i was like i didn't know that no no because wait when did they when did that happen demi Demi, where are you at? I, I, I don't want to oust myself, but I've never seen the movie nor read the books. So <laughs> Wait, I literally have someone, copies of the books. If someone like, brought me a dragon, I'd just have like, I'd be clueless on what to do with them. Hold on. I'm, we're taking this on the road. Go ahead. Continue the discussion. We're finding my How to Train Your Dragon books. I'll go on oh, mute. Oh my gosh. Um, Mahek, I've been playing the sax for a very long time. So if you need to, I'm in that you. phase where my notes, like the squeaking, is coming in every time I try to play. So I'm trying to learn how to balance. That's been my my recent challenge. We can obviously talk about this later, but basically what that means is that you're putting too much pressure between the reed and the, the top of the thing. <laughs> the air has no way to go, so it squeaks out the corner. It just means you need to drop your jaw a little bit when you're playing. Oh, that was so good because it was so concise. Michael's been thinking about that, like, that question all, all season. Are you sure those came before uh, the movies, Michael? Well, those are for more like, um, like if you're, if you learn by reading versus like a visual learner. So I feel like maybe they could go hand in hand. <laughs> Yeah. For when you have a dragon to train, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I didn't see the movie, but I, or the book, it's but I can really, only assume. Just so you know, it's a really, really realistic, like it's a biopic, basically, of this woman who's training her dragon. I've seen the commercials. So, like, there's a real dragon, right? And then she trains it. And yeah. And then she does that a couple more times. So there's, like, How to Train Your Dragon, and then How to Train Your Dragon 2. And you know, it just continues. Don't you with think many like, different dragons? Don't you think if she was like a good trainer, then she wouldn't have to do it twice? Like, well, should you really just, be taking she's advice? Just showing, like with a few different types of dragons, you know, oh, the very okay. yeah, the, okay. the real ones that exist. Okay. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. I was like, am I? I, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm telling like, Debbie what How to Train Your Dragon is. 
So all you need to do, all you need to do to train your dragon is you just need to let like a little wind come off the tip of your lip and just like open up your jaw a little bit and then just like stay it on your head and like wiggle it across your nose and then you'll be fine. Yeah, sure. That's exactly how it work. Um, I put in, I put in a link into the chat to the novel series, which started in 2003 and the movie came out in 2010. When I was in elementary school, I used to read How to Train Your Dragon. And when the movie came out, I was like, yo, this is nothing like the books. And then I never watched it again or touched it again because I used to love the books. Anyway, <laughs> You're just, like, I feel super strongly confused. about this because I literally bought them like in like middle school because I was like, oh, I love these so much. Anyway. <laughs> but we, we, are gathered, we, we are gathered here today. No, we are, we are here for a purpose. And that is, unfortunately, <laughs> this is my last episode with Policy Wise. It has been a long, incredible journey. And I remember uh, when we first got started in the craziness and throwing ideas at a wall and, you know, inviting random people and just shooting for the stars and shaping up to be what it is today. Um, That's because of all of you. Not only all of us on this call chatting and um, our support and YLI and California Forward and our listeners and everybody else who's helped us uh, made it, who's helped us get to where it is today. And so I guess it's a thank you from from me, from us, um, that we've made it this far. And I remember when we, Demi and I randomly ran into each other on a call and we're just like, hey, let's catch up. And, you know, long story short, it's how we got here. Um, I don't know. Should I tell the story? Yeah, tell the story. Yeah, tell the story. For me, okay. we don't have to put this in the... <laughs> Demi, I need you to hop in, though, because I feel like you might have a different perspective Wait, on do... how it went down. Okay, let's do, like, every other word. <laughs> <laughs> how does it even work? Have you ever tried that before? Is that Was that a novel idea? Anyway, it was uh, California Forward's... Um, uh, first YLAC call. I think it was before it was called YLAC, honestly. It was, um, and it was beginning of COVID. Yep. And Michael like, and I were... April 2020. Yeah, yeah. Both of us just lost in our Zoom screens. Our eyes met on the Zoom screens. Oh, my God. <laughs> we were like, we have an idea. We hopped on the call, and we're like, oh, my goodness. Haven't seen each other in so many years since, you know, student government back in the day. And I think we were, for some reason, I feel like you graduated before me, Demi, but I think we graduated at the same time. Yeah. I was out of, stu- I was out of student government, like, after my junior year. So I feel like that's part of it. Mm-hmm. So to me, you, you just kind of disappeared, and I just... Exactly. I was irrelevant after I left student oh my government. Gosh. No, you chose <laughs> to no longer show up, is what that was. Um, anyway, we graduated at the same time. She was graduating from Fresno State. I was graduating from San Diego State. We were both going to grad school in the fall at a very different, but, um, I'd say very somewhat notable institutions and programs specifically. And it was to the point where like, I feel like if you're in, if you're in like a list of programs, you know, the other list of programs that are on that list. Does that make sense? Like, and so it's like, oh, you're going to the London school. Oh, shoot, I'm going to the Goldman school. And we like both understand what that, you know, exactly what what would lead us to those decisions, I guess, so to speak. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Demi always wanted the international thing. And she's probably looking at me like, okay, Michael always wanted the California thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so we just decided to catch up. I just moved to Berkeley. Like, ju- it was probably like my first two weeks there, maybe three weeks. 
And I remember walking around campus. It was before I had Toto. And I was just by myself walking around campus and was just on this call. And Demi and I were just like riffing about all sorts of things, like the pandemic, student government, grad school, politics. Like it was still the election of 2020. didn't happen yet. Like it was the summer before. I think the Democratic primary just finished. Like we, we had all sorts of, of, of like fodder of the flame <laughs> and we're just going at it. And we're like, we should just record us talking because we feel like there's so much, there's so much in here that people just aren't discussing in the mainstream media. Um, and that's really how it all began. And I think like that coupled with like just people, whether, you know, it's California forward and Tim was, was really central um, to YLAC back then. And so they really made us believe that we can do what we wanted. Like, if you have a good idea, just shoot it. And so Demi and I were like, well, we have a good idea. Let's shoot it. And we shot. Um, and had like a series of conversations with California Forward and YLI around, well, what would it mean to have a podcast about this new perspective that we have as we're transitioning into, like, from being, like, the passionate young people in the room, like, the advocates to, like, the professionals. And, like where does that unique perspective in being from a new generation that grew up with a whole different set of things like recession by the time we were like 10, 11, like pandemic when we were 21, 22, um, election of 2016 when we were graduating high school or, or entering high school. And like, what is, what do all of those things mean when it comes into the context of changing policy in the way that our world works? And I think there was also a good component of us sitting there being like, Look, I think we recognize more than ever before that our leadership has no idea what's going on. And if you don't have, if you don't know what's going on, you can't tell me that I don't know what's going on. And so we both can be up to this conversation, you know, in a, uh, in a productive way, especially since COVID kind of upended systems. And so it was like, we're starting from the same point. And so we need to be included in a lot more of these conversations. And so I think starting policy-wise in, at least let me, let me put it in my mind, was like, a way to at least start the conversation for getting young people involved in decisions that policymakers were making in such an uncertain time. I also think it was in, to some degree, again, to me, like if they, if policy professionals can come here and have conversations with young people who are also really passionate about the same subjects and have the desire to create change about these subjects, then, and they can come here and have that conversation and realize like, Oh shoot, like, that was actually pretty good and this can be very productive then the theory of change i think was that they would then start including a lot more young people in those conversations um i like to think it worked and that a lot of our conversations like spurred a new energy of including us in what was going on considering that we're kind of the demographic that is going to be impacted the most by long-term lasting decisions especially such a crazy time um but i feel like i can go on that i can go on that that rant for quite a bit Demi, is there anything add, add to the story? What did I miss? No, I think you I think you encapsulated it like really well. And I don't know, I feel like even like your storytelling of it helps just demonstrate what a strong storyteller that you've been and like have been to the podcast and like your ability to kind of have a vision towards what this could have been from the beginning has really shaped it into what it is. And like, hopefully you will continue to be, and you're the foundation, like you're, <laughs> you're like everything. So I think it's, it's been inspiring and educational for me to get to talk to you, you know, every week, um, just about things that are happening <clears throat> in the world to us individually. Um, 
to things that are happening to like our peers and other young people and policy professionals. It's just been a really, really wonderful period of time. And I'm just incredibly grateful to get to see all that you've been able to bring to anyone who listens to this podcast, including myself. And I'm just like, so grateful to be, to, you know, have locked eyes with you on the Zoom screen years ago, years ago when we were just lost souls trying to find, trying to navigate the beginning of COVID and the beginning of grad school. This so, story just like, yeah. feels like it goes between like a eulogy and a wedding speech every like 20 seconds. And I'm honestly like just so back and forth with the vibe. It's like when we locked eyes. <laughs> like, oh, period. Okay. <laughs> Literally, I came to the podcast because I was, like, texting Michael. I was like, please bring me on to the podcast. And I was like, please, like, get me a position on policy-wise. I feel like just, like, everything that we've said so far, and even just the, like, back and forth between, like, eulogy and wedding speech, I feel like that is just kind of the vibe of (laughs) policy-wise is, like, the ability to, like, handle... It's like such a wide range of topics with such a wide range of emotion and Michael like you bring so much of that and like having the youthful perspective to like really bring like a lightness and a freshness to like a lot of topics that have just kind of been like steady topics of conversation and politics for so long but then also like handle really heavy topics with such grace and then just Demi you bring so much humor to the podcast and it's just always such it was always such a treat to just listen to the episodes whenever they drop. And I I think I, I wasn't the first ever released podcast episode, but I was the first guest to ever recorded. So I like got kind of the, I guess the intro taste to like what policy wise was. And since then, I was just like so excited about the potential of the podcast and just having you both as hosts was just so phenomenal and like you two specifically just like work so well as hosts like with the energy yeah no I think that just is so the vibe of policy wise and like what I think the goal is too is just like bringing that to policy conversations in general like just the ability to like navigate with such a unique perspective and so much like tactfulness and grace and also like humility and like deepness and and humor when it's necessary and I think that's just like so amazing and that's why I always knew I wanted to be a part of policy wise and it really so much of that comes from you Michael and your ability to just like be such like a people person and also a policy intellectual policy wonk as we use um and I think it's just like what I love so much about policy wise and so I was there was there were a few weeks there where I like was hitting Michael up. I was like, mm, so about policy wise, like, have you talked to anyone at YLI yet? Like, what do you think? What do you think? And I remember yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and now here we are. <laughs> You're too kind. You're too kind. Um, I think my first exposure to policy wise also came from YLAC. It was brought up in one meeting that this was being started. Um, and that if anyone was interested, they should reach out. And so I think I did reach out to Michael and, and get back to him on the type of topics I'd be interested in. And one of them was education reform. And so, um, I was invited to go and speak on one of the episodes with the state superintendent and it was so nerve wracking. I was so nervous. I was like hands shaking. Um, but it was also 
a really exciting opportunity to actually be heard, which I hadn't been able to do. I was, I was a senior in high school. I didn't really have a lot of opportunities to um, speak in a way that where there was an audience um, and there were actually people who wanted to hear what I had to say. And on top of that, I was speaking to somebody who was actually in the room when decisions were made about this topic. Um, and so I think that that's when I got the idea that policy wise is, was just like a very, very cool concept and a very impactful one. And then I've been here since. Okay. For our next topic, <laughs> we all have to go around and we have to say what our favorite moment of an episode has been with Michael. This one time that Michael was talking on this one episode and, um, it was actually the episode that we were all in person and it was when we were talking about our like ideal politician or like there was some premise that was similar to that. And, you know, I think that's like one thing that's interesting about Michael and I's relationship is that it's like sometimes shocking to me that we were in like similar roles. Like Michael was, you know, actually kind of makes sense because Michael was like kind of like the king of the roles and so like it makes it actually makes more sense but like sometimes it's like very shocking to me i'm like wow our styles are like so different like and then sometimes i'm watching michael i'm like oh he just has like so much confidence and like he's so charismatic and like he has like all these like i don't know like where does these thoughts come from and this confidence come from like this is so good i remember we were talking about like whether or not the opportunity presented itself like if we would like run for office and i i I like, I just thought about it. I was like, for sure, Michael's going to do it. I was like, for sure. I was just like to myself, I was like, I know he's going to do it. And he did, but his answer was like so clarifying and like such a beautiful way that I think about it. Like probably like every other night. No, I was kidding. I think about it like often though. And I was like, wow, that is like so real. And, um, it was just like a moment for myself that I was like, how did I not connect those dots? Like, it just like made so much sense to me. Cause like ultimately what Michael said is he was like, Cause I, I answered and I was like, you know, if it's my time, then like, maybe like, if there's no one who's going to like do it, like better than I'll like step in. And I, I totally stand by that. But then Michael was like, it is my time. Like, hear me, look at me. Like, this is the moment. And like, I need to do it. And like, I'm going to rise to this occasion because it needs to happen. And like, I am doing it as part of something that is representing something so much bigger than myself. And I was just like, hell yeah like that is right like you're so right like this is so sick like, I can't wait I've always been like yeah for sure vote for, vote for Michael like you know like I've always been there but at the same time I was like yeah like this is so beautiful um and the way that you put it together like please when we're editing this just like actually dupe in what Michael actually said like don't do my paraphrased version of that but it was just like it was just really really good um and I still feel inspired by it um and I think it just made me feel really confident in Michael future and just like the future of the Inland Empire and California, US and maybe the world. <laughs> world. Rests on your shoulders, Michael. No pressure. <laughs> uh, and maybe the metaverse. <laughs> all right, all right, slow down. <laughs> no, I, I I just want to say that I appreciate all of you and everything that you said so far. And Demi, I do remember that moment. And I remember I remember you saying something and me just being like, huh, I never thought about it like that either. <laughs> so I feel like we had the same reaction to each other. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, that's a good point. And Demi is always so, like, she's intense in the most, like, non-intense way possible. I don't know how to explain it. 
but it's like it's like the things that she says and does are quite intense but it's like in such a light-hearted like totally fine don't even worry about it but then you like sit back and you're like yo whoa that was kind of hold on <laughs> and she's like smiling and laughing and it's like oh no you just did something actually quite like quite serious and you said something quite intelligent but as but say it as if it was not whoa. Intelligent. <laughs> i don't know how to explain like, oh, it it's like oh, actually smart. wow oh my <laughs> god it's almost like Fair. You know when somebody, like, says something to you really happy in, like, a really sad way, and you're like, wait, <laughs> like, that was actually, that was actually a really good thing. Um, I feel like she has that, she has that same energy when it comes to humility, but then, like, she's clearly extremely accomplished and knows a bunch of stuff and will, like, very subtly bring up knowledge, and you'll just be like, yeah, 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 oh, wait dang, like, hold on, Demi, how much do you know about this? And she's not the type to just, like, throw it in your face. And I feel like one of the things that I, like, learned from Demi was, like, not... Because I feel like I tend to do that as soon as I know about something. And it's, like, part of the conversation, like, I must hop in. Like, I gotta go for it and just, like, get it off my chest. But Demi does it in such a way that, like, it's almost like you're uplifting others in the same conversation as you're contributing to and i feel like that's something that i i struggle or at least i feel like i struggle with um and it's always it's always interesting to to hear other people's perspective on your work because it's like oh i don't think about it that way or like oh i thought i actually really struggled and some of what some of you are saying i do well and it, i think that's it's always a, a good reflective moment like this but anyway i just commented on what demi said i'll I'll back away and shy back into my cave. Yeah, that's not the assignment, Michael. (laughs) No, so nice. No, thank you. And I like really resonate with, it's nice to, it's interesting to receive positive feedback on something that you're not super confident in. So I appreciate it a lot. How about you, Mahek? Um, I'm going to tie it back to the first episode I did with Policy Wise again. I'd say that that's my favorite Michael moment because it kind of, set the standard for it set the standard of what would be expected from us um and what the policy what the podcast should look like just because again michael's very confident um and he combined this like large amount of knowledge with a way of saying it that's personable and um makes people feel heard and is compassionate um he's like the way that i think about it is like when i used to take debate classes they teach you how to speak and say you need to do like this and that and michael is just like he ticks every box in that sense like just the way that he carries himself um and the way that he i you know acts like a leader but he acts like a leader that you'd want to follow um and so i think that that was that that's like that's hands down my favorite michael moment Oh, I, I, it's so interesting again, because when I look back on those times, it's like me seeing like, how the heck do we do this? Oh my goodness. Like, uh, I guess this is what we're going to do. Um, fake it till you make it my friends. Cause apparently I come off as confident. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Michael, what has been your favorite moment on the podcast? Oh my goodness. My favorite moment on the podcast. Whew. that's a that's a really tough one um i feel like it's it's really hard for me to get into one moment but it's just like this is the epitome or like this was it but i think if i were to say like if i can alter your question which you're totally not asking for but i have no choice but to do anyway 
and say like my favorite thing was feeling like every conversation we walked into we walked out of it with something completely different whatever that is a different perspective a different knowledge of legislation a different like x y and z and there are times like what of course that the listeners don't see and most people wouldn't see is like the text messages that fly back and forth between each <laughs> other during episodes and like i think one of my favorite things especially <laughs> like I, I i love all of our episodes i love all the people that we recorded with Every time I record with Demi, I just got to say that we have a different synergy where it's like our text messages, I feel like if anybody read them, would be like, what the heck are y'all saying? Like, it doesn't even like make sense to the normal human, <laughs> but it would just be like me. Haha. Yo, wait, pause. Yo, <laughs> hold on. Let me okay, go. you go, you go. Okay, cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, it's such, it's so contextual between us. And it's like, we've we've gotten to that point and so i feel like my favorite moments about recording is when we're all on the same page without even saying it and then like maybe i feel the need to say it either within the chat or whatever it may be and it's just like everybody's like yep we were already thinking it and <laughs> or when somebody else says something and i'm like oh that's exactly what i was thinking this is about to be so good um and then of course you know i i can't help at at moments to get on my uh, my soapbox and and start ranting about things, um, which I'm trying very hard to get better about because I feel like it soaks up so much space. Um, no, I we we lovingly started box. calling them. Thank you. I've been improving the box itself. I actually decorated it last week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we we lovingly dubbed them Michael moments. Um, just, they're they're just. I feel like every episode, I'll just have like a moment and feel. It's like I don't know. People don't. I think I've. I can sometimes let it off, and I think this podcast was very much so an avenue for me when it comes to letting out very policy centered things or things policy wise in a way that is personable because I think policy is emotional for me I think I'm realizing like policy is a very emotional thing it's not just like a technical thing or like an expertise or it's just like oh I go to work and I do policy it's like no these this is this is people's lives this is philosophy this is like all sorts of things and I felt like there's a lot of ways in which we don't discuss policy from an emotional perspective and if you do a lot of times you get written off and so I feel like a lot of ways here I found found ways to bridge like the personable in conversation but then also the very emotional things behind policy and that's something i learned just now realized that i learned just now yeah i'll get off my my soapbox there's a michael moment oh we love the michaels (laughs) well it's funny because i've just been sitting and like reflecting on like what what are my favorite Michael moments? Like trying to distill it into one, and I like really can't. No, you're too late. No, I was not to say anymore. I can't anyway. So literally, shush. Thank you. Um, what I was gonna say is that I can't do that because I feel like policy wise and the vibe of policy wise, and like what I love so much about like what you bring to the podcast like carries over into like just our conversations offline too and so I was gonna say that some of my favorite parts about working together on policy wise is we've now taken like two road trips to road trips like together related to policy wise one time Michael and I drove down together to record in Fresno the other time we drove to Santa Cruz to like 
just meet up with Will, who ended up being a guest on the podcast as well. And I feel like it was funny hearing kind of the origin story about policy-wise and how it kind of started as a conversation and ended with like, oh, this should be a podcast because that's how I feel in so many of our conversations is like we're just talking policy and life and all of these things. And then at the end, I'm like, that was so insightful. Like, I've taken so much from this conversation. And I, like, <laughs> I was actually talking to my other friend the other day. She was like, it's so funny watching you and Michael talk because it's just, like, you have so many questions for him. And I'm like, yeah, no, that, like, that is, that is what it is. Is like, I'm just so curious about so much of your insight and so many of your takes. And I feel like our, like, offline friendship sometimes is just, like, a little continuation of policy-wise where, like, you're the guest and I'm the host and I, like, have so many questions for you because you have just such like a such a wonderful insight on so many things and what you just said about yourself like how it is so personal for you is just like so refreshing and always like so wonderful to hear because you do have such like a personal take but then you're also able to like take a step back and like look at how it impacts more than just you and like what it means to so many people and I think operating on those different scales is something that you're like able to like so seamlessly do and I think that's what really like makes policy wise what it is in a lot of ways is like being able to navigate all of those different levels and so it's like so hard to pick one moment because I feel like the core of what policy wise is is also just like who you are as a person and like what you care about and like what you think about things and how you're able to have those conversations and I think that's just like it's totally something you carry with you in your life and it's so exciting to like now see you graduate college and like start a career and like take that same energy and like perspective with you onto your next endeavors oh thank you <laughs> to be fair just so everybody knows i have a lot of questions for ali too um, <laughs> it is true I, I would say i asked for a the lot other of opinions day, michael texts, he's like i'm moderating this panel right now and it's about environmental things i don't know what they're talking about like what does this mean what does this mean what does this mean and it was like 4 a.m in sweden oh. and i woke up and i was like oh no i missed it i like i missed michael's time of need for me and my answers <laughs> Yeah, I'm horrible at planning in advance. Oftentimes those things will happen. I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting here and they're talking about like ozone and like all sorts of stuff. Then I'm like, yes, important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have no idea what you're referring and to. And I know you killed the moderating um, game anyway. Like, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I tried I tried my best. And then I, after the call I was like, so I what's that? Like <laughs> I have no idea what y'all are talking about. Um but Ellie, Ellie filled me in, filled me in later on. And, and, you know, I think as I, as we get older and like, if there's something I want to let the listeners know, a few things, A, is that as much as like policy wise really started from like just an idea and just like a, an organic conversation in a culture, so to speak, between Demi and I, and then really just like with a lot of support from Jared, Cody, Tim, everyone at YLI. And then, of course, when we were bringing in guests and, and thinking about expanding the team and Ellie and Mahek uh, were able to join. And, and all of these things came together and, of course, continues in, to grow the culture and to even shift it. And I think that was part of me saying, like, you know, I think it's time is, like, policy-wise is on its feet. I feel like it's, like, it needs a new vision and... 
I'm I'm ready to support from the sidelines and that the listeners are going to appreciate the whole new vision that you all decide to take it in, that the young people who are coming up will decide to take it in. It's like this recognition, this weird, like graduating grad school recognition of like, I am no longer, I no longer feel like I'm the youth that represents the youth, especially as I move into policy professional policy professional spaces as like a full-time employee i'm like i don't represent the the perspective the same way like now i do i have a full-time job like i go to the office every day that's not the same as how it once was and i want to make sure if anything i would encourage that folks make sure and and that the conversation stays as the young people who experience life as young people because now i'm no longer surrounded by young people the way i once was (laughs) um and no longer having those conversations that are as invigorating as energy giving and just now i'm like wow i don't have this much energy at work because it's like do do we even have these opportunities to get all personal with what we're doing or is it all go 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 and is there a way to even bring this type of energy into the policy professional workspace where people are just trying to make it through they're trying to meet the deadline but not necessarily thinking about how their actions and their moves are impacting you know individuals and other people and maybe that's maybe that's another another thing that listeners will hopefully take home with them and, and into their, their professional spaces. I'm just excited to see to see where this goes. And I'm happy to see that, you know, what started as a crazy idea when we, you know, called Tim and Amber and David and we're just like, so damn, you know, I have a crazy idea <laughs> that now we're here two years later and, you know, I, I feel confident enough to step back and just watch and say, you know, I'll keep on listening and see where folks decide to take it and trust that vision. It feels good. It feels good to to help start something and then feel good enough about it to walk away. I think there not enough not enough leaders are able and and I'm trying to lead by example in my own personal by being like, yeah, it's it's time for me to no longer be a voice of things and be able to support others. And if I'm gonna make that ask of others, then I should be able to do it myself. I respect that. As sad as I am to see you go, I think it is like so, like the take space makes space, like, and I think it's just I'm I'm curious like what what that's like like growing from that like youth representative into like policy professional like how does that feel? Because I feel like in some ways, I mean obviously I'm like still like young like 20 I'm an undergrad you know but I think it was funny because for a while there being in high school like with the whole youth act like climate activism thing there was the whole like Greta Thunberg movement like all these like 15 16 17 year olds and then going into college and being like oh like people aren't looking at me as this like I don't know like this like super young like middle school high schooler type thing what's that what's that like for you now like I guess growing out or phasing out of like this part of your life Mm. like is it is it scary is it exciting or are you like like what does that I guess what does that feel like like what potential do you think lies there in that transition yeah it's um I'll be I'll be open and and you know kind of say it the way I've been thinking about it lately and this has happened I think to all of us uh and I realized to me more than once where it's like when I transitioned from like middle school to high school, you got really comfortable in middle school. You had all your friends. You had you. And I was a marching man kid. I had a marching man. Blah, blah, blah. I got into high school and it was like, and we started fresh. Like I least I went to a high school that was like 
in a different like line as my other middle school even though it was in the same school district so I had no friends again and I felt that same way when I went to college like left everything I knew and just like started afresh and uh, personally I feel like I've gone through every one of those phases and like decided you know I had to think about okay who am I going to be in this space and where you know, where is my best value add to this conversation or to this space? And I feel like when I entered college and realized like some of that's going to be in student government, when I left student government at the end of college and started grad school, I was like, well, where am I going to find my voice in my space and ended up teaching and doing the podcast and like all these things that I also loved. And now I feel like I'm in that phase again, where it's just like, I'm the new kid, I'm the newbie, nobody, you know, like I feel fresh again in terms of who do I want to be now? Or, you know, what, where is my best value add to this conversation and to the people that I'm around and realizing that it's different than what it used to be. And it's no longer like, Oh, well, your value add being here is bringing in a different perspective or youth perspective, or maybe sometimes a diverse perspective or, you know, whatever it may be. Now it's like, Oh, your value add here is like actually your technical skills, like all those other things that your value add has been up to this point. Like, yeah, those things are cool, but like, can you run this analysis? Mm. (laughs) Um, Which is weird (laughs) because it's like, Oh, I do have those skills. Don't I? That's usually not why I'm here. Uh, even though it tends to contribute, but now it's like, oh, did, did I brush up on my technical skills enough to be, you know, to hold my water in this space? Um, and how is that going to progress? And also realizing that progressing in the work world is so much longer than progressing in school. Like... <sighs> You're not going to say it. You got to just not let yourself be cynical. Like, <laughs> it's literally like, oh, well, you have your <laughs> one-year review. Yeah, I'm used to getting (laughs) feedback like every three to four months. Like, I don't need a grade after the semester. What? (laughs) No, totally. And it's like you know, not to. I hope people listening on this don't don't take it too to heart. But it's like watching some people who've been working in the same roles or around the same roles for ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty-five years, and I'm like is that about to be me? Like, <laughs> and thinking like, okay, what does it actually mean to be in the career space? And how do I, how do I want to navigate this? And who do I want to be in the room and all of these things? But again, like, it's almost like I'm walking in and I'm the newbie. I'm the fresh face. I'm the one who doesn't know anything and is like asking all the questions again. I'm no longer the instructor. I'm no longer, you know, helping lead the podcast. I'm no longer president of the association. I'm no longer, you know, VP at SDSU. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm the recent grad who knows how to do X, Y, and Z, and that's why he's here, um, which is not actually how my work categorizes me. Like, I'm, I'm being kind of dramatic and, and kind of um, summarizing the way I've also heard other young people talk about the work world. Um, they also value my other stuff, too. Inland Empire Community Foundation, I love you. <laughs> um, but it's, it is, again, like a different value add to the conversation, which, is, which has been interesting to, to feel. It's interesting. I think... There's like a whole set of conversations that need to be had just like regarding that transition. Like, I think it's a really great question, Ellie. And like, maybe it'll be part of Michael's guest starring in Policy Wiser <laughs> is talking Policy about. No, yeah, you guys, Michael's yeah, actually leaving because like- he's starting a new, a new endeavor, a new project. It's going to be a vlog channel. Um, and that's why he's leaving us. <laughs> Yeah, vlogs when he's trying to reach an older demographic. (laughs) He's trying to get with the millennials. You're trying to help me do that, and I'm (laughs) kidding. Oh, goodness. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) 
calling me old. <laughs> there's this like there's this question that I've been like considering recently, which maybe you've all considered, but I'm really would like to know what the major differences that younger folks feel like exist between themselves and like those just a couple years older, like kind of like in that, like maybe like a five year difference. Um, just like, you know, instead of looking like generation to generation, like really what are the differences that are going that like that rapidly? And I don't know, I think it's something for us all to think about and that I'm going to give Michael as an assignment for the next time he's oh, on policy wise and first like vlog. all the time michael you're what four years older than me i feel like there's so many moments where we're just like we're talking and all of a sudden it's like you know, that was not a generational divide but there's a gap there for sure for sure it's always like it's always like humor like like one of us will make a joke and it'll just like not land or something and i will be like hmm wait, why didn't you think that was funny? Like, why aren't you laughing right now? <laughs> or, like, references. Oh, yeah, How to like Train Your Dragon. Whole, that whole intro yeah. combo, yeah, that was, like, that pretty much encapsulated that, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, like, it's, 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 again, this weird coming of age, weird, I don't know how to describe it thing, where it's, like, Oh, I have that moments with people at work too, where they're just like, "Oh yeah, like this one movie," and I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> "Like, what are you talking about?" <laughs> and then I like meet people younger than uh-huh. me, whether it's as little as four years or like maybe ten years, where they're like teenagers, like just became teenagers, and they like mention something, and I'm like, "What?" And they're like, "Oh, you're too old," and I'm like, "That's crazy. <laughs> That's really crazy." I think there is also like a tiny like mentorship aspect, a little bit, like even in like. Like, I don't know, Michael, you and I are, like, friends, too, and I know you hate it when I'm, like, oh, you're my mentor, because you're, like, no, that's not what this is about, but I do (laughs) think that, like, there is something about even just, like, three or four years of, like, experience or, like, going through, like, having already gone through undergrad and then being in grad school, I'm, like, oh, what was your experience with this, or, like, how did this go for you, and just, like, there is, like, even just that tiny little gap, like, there's so much to learn from that, which is always, like fun and exciting to talk about and i think i learned just as much by talking talking with you both mac and ellie that are years younger than me where it's like oh that is was a like, that's what y'all are doing now okay <laughs> i do say that all the time that's crazy <laughs> i guess i should share some of the things that i'm doing nowadays um I am working with the Inland Empire Community Foundation as a government and community relations fellow and adding to the policy team, um, which is fairly new. The foundation just started doing policy two or three years ago, um, and it's been a a one-man show with my boss, and so him and I are kind of running the policy things, and it has been so much fun. We just had our our biggest event of the year, the second annual um, policy forum, Inland Empire Community Foundation Policy Forum, where we pulled together um, hundreds of people from across the region, leaders, elected officials, nonprofit leaders, business leaders, um, young people, 
um, to come and strategize around some of the policy priorities for the entire region. And for the next few months, it is it is a big part of my task um, to come up with what the policy priorities are in consultation with folks from the community and to be, you know, kind of listening to people and coming up with, well, how do we want to tackle this next legislative session? How do we want the foundation to strategize around some of the priorities that have been lifted by the people that live within Riverside and San Bernardino counties? And as challenging as that can be, it's also like, awesome because we're uplifting nonprofits, we're uplifting um, our elected officials back in the month in the capital um, in some sort of ways fighting for the community. And this is just something that our region has not necessarily been the strongest in. And, and there's a lot of metrics that guide that. Um, I, I think the, the last statistic I heard was uh, one in 10 philanthropic dollars that come to California will come to the Inland Empire, um, which for the size of the region, which it is, it's, it's kind of quite low um i need to double check that stat before it really gets sent out there so uh (laughs) i know that when it comes to philanthropic dollars our region is one of the least funded and part of it is that we haven't necessarily been as strong when it comes to organizing for funding opportunities and for collective efforts and of course you know when when you when you're together you go farther and you're able to to make bigger ass of um, of the state, of the, the federal government, of your elected officials, and coordinate with them on, on how to actually bring something in. So anyway, that was a short little rant on some of the things that I do here. And Michael's personal life can all be seen on Instagram at mweoffice. <laughs> that's, where, that's where you get the good stuff. That's where you get all the like food pictures and current favorite songs, if that's what y'all are into. So just so y'all know. Hmm. <laughs> and the Inland Empire Foundation has an Instagram now, right? They do. IE Gives. Follow us <laughs> IE Gives. Um, we, do, we do a lot okay. of cool things. We follow what we're doing. So policy-wise, it's Amazing. about um, bridging the gap between um, policymakers and young people. And so now you're working on bridging the gap between um, the government and the community. So what would you say is the is the solution to those gaps that exist and what do you think causes them? Wow. Uh, that's a really, that's a really good question. I think there's a lot of things. I think there's a lot of things. So, and I'll just name a few and I promise I won't take forever with this. I think one of them is just the way that politics works. It just works differently. It's not always intuitive. Um, and so I think that that's, that's a big thing. Second is historical things like just, uh, people have sometimes had a hard time working together for one reason or another. Um, you know, maybe uh, battles between maybe elected officials one like few years ago were opponents in another race, and now they refuse to work together. Or like little things like that actually make a big difference in how the community is able to kind of um, coalesce behind things that are really important. Um, and and oftentimes like we don't recognize that like an individual legislator actually needs community support to convince their other legislators. Like it's once the legislator has it, it's not like they just do their thing. It's like, they also have to convince their colleagues. And a lot of times they need the community behind them in order to, to, to bring it to the finish line. I think another thing is just like knowledge of how it works. Like, as I mentioned kind of before, it's like the legislative cycle. Like if you, if you have a bill, don't go to Sacramento in October. Like it just, like, that's just not when things are happening. And so you have to know when, where, what, how in order to be most effective 
um, in pushing things through. And I think like, at least when it comes to organizations, um, nonprofits, especially more grassroots, they might not know kind of the ins and outs of how to run things through the capital. And that alone will kind of cripple the, the ability for the community to engage um, in an effective way with the government. Um, in the way that needs to happen. Another thing is just like time and money, like in terms of like um, the ability for organizations, like, you know, I'm lucky enough to work, to work at a foundation that, that considers it, you know, kind of one of the newer priorities of the past few years to bring in policy expertise. Not all organizations have the funding to do that. And, and because of, you know, how difficult it can be, like, policy is not cheap <laughs> in some ways. And so they might have to get a grant for it. They might have to get some other funding. They might have to rely on um, an another organization, like let's say the foundation to provide some of that, some of that expertise and some of that information. Um, and then, you know, of course there's, there's leadership and the thing I said a little bit earlier about, you know, knowing when to step out of the way. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot. There, there's a lot that get, comes into it. Every community is different. We operate within two different counties. And I would say even the counties are really different in how they operate. And, and sometimes it's all about having a collective vision. And I think that's some of what, what, what we're trying to, trying to get tables around to build is a collective vision that we could push. Can I also, okay, now I'm, now I'm thinking about this stuff. Um, I think it's also tough, especially for like nonprofits when like the funding environment is competitive, right? It's not just like, it's not just like, oh, well, you know, we, we were just having a hard time working together. Like, no, it's like, oh, this one application we're both applying for it, one person's going to win. And so like, it, that automatically makes the environment less collaborative. And so the funding environment is competitive, which makes it harder for folks to work together. And then, like, as I said, the same thing's happening with legislators, right? Maybe somebody killed somebody else's bill. Well, now they're having a hard time collaborating. And who is the loser in all this? It's the people. And so some of these things are, are tough to cut through. Um, and then I also think, oh, dang it. Now I see I have a list of things. Okay, last one I'll mention is that... Um, it tends to be that the communities that need to be part of the conversation that can best guide where things go and where like what needs to happen oftentimes don't have the time, energy or resources to actually be there or are not offered that to be there. And so a lot of a lot of also the work is power building. It's power building within communities. It's giving people their own voice to sit at the table. It's not just being the voice for them. It's being like, hey, here's let me help you out in building your voice so that you could also come to the table with us. Um, and so I think that that's, that's a big challenge too. It's like, oh, well, we want to do it with community. Well, where are you going to find them? Well, okay, well, you know, that mom has three kids, but we want her perspective, and, but we don't have the money to pay for it, like to, to take her time away. And so there's, there's just so much that comes into it. And so it's, it's breaking some of those barriers and finding a new way of doing business. I think that's some of what we're doing is finding a new way of doing policy business in the region. I think that um, when I was asking this question, um, I think fundamentally what I was thinking of is that a lot of gaps that exist, whether it's between the community and government or whether it's between government and young people, um, is because of the individuals not being heard. And I think that that's what's so great about policy-wise is because it's giving a platform for people to be heard and a group that typically doesn't feel that way, which is young people. Um, so I think it all kind of ties together really well in that sense. Yeah. And I also, I know I said that was my last point, but you just raised something so good, which is like, it's not only that people aren't being heard. It's that people are being heard and their words cannot effectively translate 
to what's happening in the political and policy world. And so you could have people like, for example, we've been having a lot of protests around a lot of issues, right? Abortion access. Those You can go to a mayor in California and you know be knocking down City Hall about abortion access, and they're just going to look at you and be like, okay. Like, what am I supposed to do about that? Because in at least in the munis- municipal mindset, especially after Supreme Court thing, like the city, there's not much that they can do other than increase access, which in California here, just about it's already there. And so they're just going to thumbs up you, right? Because like we're, we're doing all we can. And so it's knowing like, well, maybe it's in a specific area or maybe we need to focus particularly on this one piece of legislation or maybe we need to, it's, and so it's getting that voice and then refining it in such a way that it's like, okay, let's actually make this actionable because I've realized that in a lot of spaces, it's like, well, people want all of these things. It's just that the way and the timing of which it's being fought for doesn't work with the government's timing in way in which it's being pushed and so it's finding that type of alignment and so it's like not only having your voice heard but it's it's like having your voice heard when the microphone is on if i could put it that way because if you're talking when the microphone's off it's like you're talking but your voice is being carried they might be able to hear you but it's not going anywhere microphone's on oh this is the time as one of my professors says it's like one of the most important thing for policymaking is knowing what time it is just knowing what time it is and that alone will go very far. And so some of the work is also like keeping, keeping, you know, keeping your eye on the watch and being like, okay, it's time for us to push this because this is the time for it to happen. Abortion rights has been, has been pushed for a really long time in a lot of different areas. Now is the time to be talking about it because now it's hitting the, the, the mainstream. It's things are happening um, and it's being stripped away. Like now is the time for it to really be at the top of the ticket. And for some people, it just wasn't time yet. And so, like, part of it is knowing what time it is. And anyway, I may be going down a rabbit hole. I didn't need to go down. But it's, I'm getting, I'm getting emotional about it again. You're just setting <laughs> yourself up to be a stellar guest come a few years from now. <laughs> yeah. As Cody said, you're already the policy expert. Um, I mean, I guess to kind of preview that, I feel like it would be kind of appropriate for your send-off to be, the closing question that we ask all of our guests, even though you're not necessarily a guest right now. But yeah. <laughs> oh, so sorry, Michael. Got to think on your toes on this one. But what is your like key takeaway message for young people listening to this episode? What wisdom? What policy wisdom? Just kidding. Um, any sort of wisdom would you bestow upon upon our young listeners? I have, I have so much to say, and that's the hard part, and that I always have so much to say. I think if there was one thing I would tell young people, it's that not everybody's going to believe in you. In fact, it's more likely that they won't than they will. And that's not necessarily what you need in order to be successful. And there's a lot of ways in which you are being pushed away from chasing exactly what it is you need to chase. Which means that you have to find your own internal fire, whatever that may be, and don't let anybody put it out. And, you know, I've had moments where it's like, I have a fire, somebody puts it out, and now I move on to the next thing. And then there's a moment where I'm like, wait, I had that fire, and, but you know, like, now it's coming back. But had I just let it keep on burning when it needed to keep on burning, I would have been in a different place and possibly a much better place. 
Um, and I think that oftentimes, especially today, when we're hearing so much in, in the news, when we're seeing leadership not step aside, when we're seeing all of these things that are basically telling young people that the world is getting a lot worse and that all of these things are happening, and you know, we're, we're, we're seeing... Um, we're basically falling into pits of despair sometimes on social media, doom scrolling, all of these things. It's that like you can find agency in your own internal fire and maybe you can't change the world. And the reality is that most people won't change the world, but that you can find change in your own community. You can create change in your own home. You can create change in such a way that impacts impacts your surroundings the way that you need it to be impacted and that isn't necessarily always the things that are going to be all across the board um, or all around the world or the things um, that people are going to recognize either but it's like work is meaningful work whether people know you're doing it or not and that was one of the best advice that was given to me a few years ago and it's something I still carry to this day is good things happen you need to do good things whether or not people know you're doing good things. Um, and part of that comes from keeping your internal flame alive and not letting other people put it out and, and try to change it in a direction which you think it's theirs. I'd say listen to advice, but don't adhere to it. Um, and until until you've, you've chewed it up in your own mind and you get to spit it back out in, in the way in which you see fit, um, everybody's perspective is is necessary whether or not you know everything that's going on or you're brand new it's all it's all very important i can keep on going on for the next hour so i'll just stop here hopefully that made sense that was sort of so sense. good i think that was also just like a perfect encapsulation of of your journey moving forward too which is like you know as you move on i you we said earlier about this like you don't have the same consistent milestones or accolades or feedback and I think knowing your fire as you so clearly do Michael and carrying that with you and like having that vision and being confident in that is so important and so wishing you all the best with carrying that on with you and I can't wait to see what you do and I'm so excited that you've now you started policy wise and and that this is this is your little baby <laughs> that's that's now growing and changing and um yeah, I'm just so grateful that that we've gotten to share share this room with you and excited to see where you take it next. Thank you, Ellie. I just want to say that I'm really sad. <laughs> like I'm genuinely like emotional that I won't get to talk to you every week. Because <laughs> you'll ignore all my calls. <laughs> and I was kidding. <laughs> No, I'm really, I'm really going to miss working with you all the time. And I'm so excited to be your chief of staff in the future. And I just think that we just have a really good foundation going forward. <laughs> and selfishly, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really going to miss you. So look, Demi, 15 yeah. years, you're going to be on a Zoom call and you're going to lock eyes <laughs> across the Zoom call. And Michael's going to call you. He's be like, chief of staff. <laughs> all right. Mr. Emperor. Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> you come over the famous king earlier, Emperor. Look, Pharaoh next. What's going on? Oh <laughs> I'm just kidding, Demi. Appreciate you. Oh. <laughs> You're like, oh, actually, I like the sound of that, Pharaoh. <laughs> Not while it's recording, Demi. Oh. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh. I'm joking. I'm joking. I really would appreciate it if everyone called me Pharaoh. <laughs> <laughs>
random i've been playing a lot of assassin's creed origins and it's set in egypt so that's what's at the top of my mind sorry when do you have time for that when i am in the morning any last words oh, <laughs> That sounds awful. Sounds... No, I'm, I'm a very sentimental person, so I'm a little, I'm a little down, but I am excited for you. Thank you. We all about to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying my best not to, um, but thank you all for all the kind words and the compliments and making me feel so good about the work that's happened so far. And I do feel really good about it. And thank you to the support, Jarrett and Cody and Tim and everybody else at Wiley. Um, for really helping make this happen, and Amber and David and folks at California Forward for helping us kick it off. Um, I just wanted to point out from what I said earlier. I just want to say Demi said, "I'm so sad" while laughing in like in in like such a happy voice. This is exactly what I'm talking about by Demi saying something in a voice that's like completely different from the words that she's <laughs> saying, but you still really get the point. Like she really is sad, and you understand that. But anyway, um, I just wanted to just wanted to say that you just did that. Um, and for the last time, I'm closing out a policy-wise episode. Thank you for listening up until this point. Thank you for listening to season three. Let me say thank you for listening to my voice for these these past few years, seasons one, two, and three. And you can follow up on Instagram, on social media with the rest of the team and anybody else who will join in the coming future um, for updates on season four. I'm looking forward to listening as well. Thank you. This was PolicyWise, an intergenerational podcast by Youth Leadership Institute focused on bringing young people into the policy conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at PolicyWisePod. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss, please slide into our DMs or send us an email at policywise at yli.org. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes.